new figures in the Productivity Commission's media release show the rate of indigenous deaths in custody are at their equal worst since records began in 2007. Yet, campaigning to end this situation can land you in a difficult situation, including bring upon you abuse, home invasions, even death threats. One campaigner who has experienced uh, such a situation is Dangati man Paul Silva. And he's joining us on NITV Radio to share his story. Paul Silva, first, thanks for joining us on NITV Radio. Thanks for having me. Can you share with us uh, your story, how campaigning for human rights resulted in insults and even death threats? Yes, yeah, so my name's Paul Silva. I'm the nephew of David Dungay Jr., who was tragically murdered in Long Bay Correctional Facility in December of 2015. Um, by corrective officers and justice health staff. Um, I've been on the front foot since December 2015 um, demanding systematic changes in justice and accountability um, for Aboriginal deaths in custody. Um, I've also had a large involvement with the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement in Sydney's Town Hall. Um, You know, that attracted 50,000 people and you know, during the time um, it was amongst the COVID-19 um, situation and lockdowns, um, myself and many other comrades and colleagues that helped me organise the event um, did receive some death threats and, you know, tr- tremendous backlash from, you know, the wider community in regards to having the protest at a bad time, at, that they... having it at a bad time, they said. So... Um, you know, this is basically a a prime example of of what it is. Um, you know, being on the front line in regards to you know systematic change and stuff like that. This is a prime example of how you will receive backlash and and um, you know death threats and and racial racial comments. You know, on all social media platforms. Um, you know, it's very um, sensitive. Um, you know, a very sensitive uh, topic for some people, and it's very sensitive for myself um, due to the fact that I've lost my uncle at the hands of corrective officers. And, you know, despite us being on the front line demanding justice and accountability for David, um, that has not yet been served on the individuals involved. And yet when you campaign, just asking for accountability and uh, for the situation to be addressed appropriately, you end up receiving uh, text messages uh, threatening you and then having the police to get involved. Did they catch the person who was sending those death threats? Yeah, so basically I recall one one death threat that was directed at me and my family personally. Um, In 2021, around June mid-June, we was attending a, a Black Lives Matter protest in Sydney, um, the Sydney Domain, and whilst I was driving from my hometown, Dungari country in Kempsey, New South Wales, to Sydney, um, it's approximately a four and a half hour drive, so whilst me and my, my partner and my child was driving to the um, event, we received, I received on my personal phone a, a threatening text message, um, saying that I'm nothing but a racist and a coon and that um, my my protest that I had organised um, would be shot up with a semi-automatic rifle and he basically said, I hope all you black C's can run. Um, 
from a semi-automatic. He also went on to call me a coon, a racist, black dog. Um, he also went on to make sort of beheading myself, my missus and my kids' heads. He also went on to make disgusting comments and re- remarks about my deceased uncle and went on to say that he deserved it. Um, you know, initially with the threat of, um, you know, a possible terrorist attack, you know, a mass killing, um, at the time in 2021, it was a large presence at the Black Lives Matter movement. We um, engaged over 50,000 in 2020 when uh, the unfortunate death of George Floyd happened. So there was a substantial amount of people and the safety of those people was paramount um, so for my family as well. So I decided to engage the Australian Federal Police and we liaged over a 15-hour period trying to work out what this guy's motive was for this and, and where he was actually located. And it turned out that after the process was done and they found out who he was and where he was, it was determined that he actually had a rap sheet for making these kinds of disgusting remarks in regards to these movements and and not just indigenous movements um you know lgbtq movements as well and stuff like um you know fracking and and coal mining he would constantly target these and make racial threats and abuse the organizers and threaten them and their family um so it it was determined by afp the australian federal police that he was um approximately 13 hours away from Sydney, New South Wales, and that there was no immediate threat at that time. Yeah. Um, and many many of the attendees will, will remember the large police presence at that time. Um, and that may, could have been in regards to the complaint of a mass shooting. And, you know, it just shows the prime example of being largely involved with, you know, taking up the government and taking on you know, taking on systems, um, you know, it shows the the backlash you may get. Um, I recall one of my colleagues, um, one of my comrades being, um, his house being um, home invaded and some, some racial comments and, you know, that's scary for anyone in that situation. And, you know, it really shows that, you know, in a way we're making moves, we're, we're making our voices be heard and, you know, the, if those people that are angry are listening, well, everyone else is as well. So There is a strong similarity between the death of George Floyd and uh, your uncle's passing in custody. Yeah, exactly. So there's definitely a strong, um, a strong connection with Aboriginal deaths in custody and um, deaths in custody within the US. So there was a really, really large police presence. And, you know, David Dungay Jr. died in the same way that George Floyd did. Um, he was held down in a prone position, which is face down on your stomach, and continuously begged that he could not breathe. And you know, despite his begs for life and his begs um, to breathe, they was they fallen on deaf ears and and blind eyes. I would say, and um, as a result, both men perished and died. And you know, we see with the U.S. case that David Dungay Jr. Um, we we see with the U.S. case that. Um, you know, the US case, George Floyd, they've been criminally charged and held accountable for their actions. Well, why can't that happen in Australia? Um, many people have seen the footage of David Dungo Jr. being tragically murdered, and, um, you know, it should be within the public 
the public, the public's eye and within the government's eye to make systematic changes and hold those people accountable for the actions towards David Dungay. Um, and, you know, that's one of my things that I'm so determined about is making this happen and moving forward to make a better future, not just for Indigenous people, but non-Indigenous people too. Um, I've seen way too many times that this system will target people un- unfairly and as a result it could be a life or death situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate and very determined to make change, not just for my kids and my family um, and not just for David Dungay Jr., but as I said, for the wider society to live a better place and that would be, you know, really, really grateful. Now, besides organising protests, you also wrote to authorities, including the government itself, on numerous times. What was their response? So they basically declined any movement forward. Um, you know, we've, we've wrote to Work Safe, Safe Work New South Wales to conduct an independent investigation simply due to the fact that the death happened within a workplace facility. Um, they've declined that on a number of occasions, and I believe that's unfair. You know, they will investigate a corrective officer jamming, jamming his finger in a cell door and losing it, but they won't investigate um, them holding someone down and, unfortunately, him perishing at the hands of them. Um, you know, we've also wrote, wrote to the Department of Public Prosecutions um, in regards to conducting an independent investigation for possible criminal conduct during that event. And they've also declined on a number of occasions. And, you know, our family sat in the 2021 parliamentary inquiry into the large rate of deaths in custody, and we demanded to them, alongside many other families, that there be an independent body um, to investigate future Aboriginal deaths in custody. We don't want police investigating police. That doesn't sound right. That's a conflict of interest. Um, so that has still fallen on deaf ears and blind eyes, unfortunately. And um, we're determined to move forward, myself and my comrades, to make, make better changes within the near future. Um, I will, will advise some people, I will advise attendees of these movements that there is going to be one very shortly. And um, this one, I really want to make an impact and really want the government to listen.